Hello and welcome to another episode of One to Watch here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look that little bit closer at some of football's up-and-coming talents. My name is Alfred, I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kish. How are you doing, Kish? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you, bro. Um, yeah, just same old, really. I'm excited for another episode. Um, I think I've got, uh, we've both got interesting players for this one, so it'll be good to discuss them. I'm definitely also very excited for this one because um, to continue on our little um, battle theme, I guess, um, both choosing one player from a specific position um, who are both kind of at the same stage of the career. Um, I'm very excited for this one because it's maybe the, the position I'm most fond of in, in football at the moment. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking about midfielders. And, and yeah, as, as I was saying, the, the, the position I'm, I'm most fond of, of uh, because maybe I think back in the day when I was playing, uh, I always just was interested in playing in midfield just because you, you get to kind of play every role, be important both in defense and in att attack as well. Uh, also get to kind of orchestrate the play. Um, have a good vision over the, the full pitch. And so, yeah, it was always just the, the position that interested me the most. That being said, uh, I think I started off playing striker when I was younger. And then I, I, I'd i always tell my new coach, because I, I changed clubs quite a bit, I'd always tell my new coach that I was a I was an eight, just so he would play me there, even though I'd, I'd never played there. And he'd try me out a few games and then just play me center back because <laughs> I... Maybe my my stamina wasn't good enough, or or my my positioning. I, I I I felt like I knew how to play midfielder, but maybe there there's more to it than just being interested in that role, and and just yeah, w wanting to play that position. There's more to the understanding of the game that not everybody has. Um, but yeah, so maybe before we, we get into our players, as we kind of usually have been doing now. You can um, talk us through maybe the the different roles that are being used in today's game from a midfield perspective. Yeah, so I think previously, I think it was much more kind of midfielder does everything. Um, with sort of, especially in the Premier League, um, we had like a lot of four four twos. So you'd have kind of all action midfielders, the likes of you know Vieira, uh, Roy Keane. Uh, those those kind of players who would just be good at everything, um, but I think the roles become a lot more specialist now. Um, kind of every midfielder is asked to do different um, kind of tasks. Uh, I guess the kind of classic way of of kind of separating them: you have the the number six, which is more of the kind of deepest midfielder. You have the number eight, who's sort of the second phase midfielder, so kind of does a bit more of everything. Um, and then you have the number number ten, who's more around final third creation and, and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot of overlaps, and and you know players aren't positions; they're players, so they can kind of in the game take more than one kind of role like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's the easiest way to sort of classify them. I feel like the the best example to kind of counter argue. What you're describing, I mean, what what you're, you were describing as like having specific positions, like six, eight, ten. 
like maybe thinking back to Pirlo, um, who had nothing in common with your typical six, um, not not tall, not fast, not strong, but he he just played in that six role because the tactical setup <clears throat> of Milan and then Juventus uh, required for him to just sit deep and um, just yeah play play through balls and orchestrate the game. And I feel like it's always interesting when specific players um, develop or change the way that specific roles are, or positions are being used. Like when you think of Neuer as well, how he revolutionized the goalkeeper position. Um, and I think I think there's a there's a few good few other examples I can think of. De Bruyne as well, who kind of changed the way that eights and tens can kind of intertwine into being one player. Yeah, and I think um, another great example of that is the the Makalele role, which was a kind of term that you heard where I think there was a shift from the four four two to for to a three man midfield. Um, and that Makalele role was the kind of classic holding midfield role, which kind of sat in between the midfield and the back four. Um and then you yeah, you always get that kind of now, yeah, a player kind of comes about and 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 makes a new sort of role of their own. So we've had that all over the pitch, like a like an inverted fullback. They they kind of start with the the Pep, especially when Pep came to England. You had like Cancelo, kind of that was a very new thing. Seeing a right footed player play left back coincide a lot. Um, so I think yeah, players are definitely shaping those new roles um, and midfield's obviously a huge a huge example of that and there's been many many cases where this where this has been the case yeah speaking of pep even even as recently as last season the way that john stones was used in the midfield i feel like hasn't really been replicated yet maybe um Mikel arteta has kind of tried um, and his usage of Ben White, I think, but it's not exactly the, the same same role. But yeah, um, constantly evolving position. And yeah, I just love learning and watching um, different players, as we've been saying, just kind of starting new trends. Well, managers specifically, but you, they, they get the chance to start those new trends when they have that player who they feel like might be able to to play in that new role. So yeah, always very interesting to, to keep an eye out for that. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of, in terms of these different variations, I guess, of the six, eight, 10 roles, um, which one would you say that your, your player for today falls into? So, yeah, my one's a bit of a, my, a bit of a hybrid, I guess. Um, as we see from a few midfielders now. Yeah. So, I'm looking at Arthur Vermeeren of, of um, Antwerp, um, Ro Antwerp. So he's sort of, yeah, a hybrid of a six and an eight. And I think we often see this with with potential number sixes that they start their career a bit further forward because that number six position is so reliant on tactical IQ, um, experience, we don't often see those elite young players come through as as kind of 
lone pivots at least that if they are playing in that holding role it's normally in a double pivot where they're not kind of relied upon to to kind of hold that tactical shape altogether and then be that primary kind of player which I think the number six role is so so um, important to a team's structure and and stuff like that so yeah I think Vermeeren right now is is more of an eight Um, I do probably see his his future as a six Um, not the immediate future but I do think at some point he will he will become a six just because of his elite tactical IQ and kind of decision making and stuff like that Um, but I think right now he is a certified eight. I think that's that's where he mainly plays. At Antwerp, he partners up with um, Mandela Keita, right? And um, Keita is definitely that balancing player who kind of takes away from those defensive responsibilities. So that that's probably why as well that he's he's being in that more offensive role at the moment because they have that other super promising player who needs to be played in that defensive role. So kind of can't be given, can't both be given those responsibilities, right? Yeah. And I also think um, there's, there's his qualities that, that they kind of want to use further up the pitch. So his kind of ability to be able to see a picture, spot a pass, um, his connectivity is just so such a high level that he can kind of, play off people and people can play off him and that that creates kind of opportunities in the to get into the final third so I do think maybe at a kind of more elite team he might he might be more of a first phase player um I think right now his his kind of energy as well all around the pitch like his his work rate and stamina is so good that that yeah they they give him that license to kind of go and press high up um, but also carry the ball when in possession and, and, and kind of be a bit more free. Um, because I think there's 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 an advantage there for them because he's such a high-level player. Whereas I do think at a team where kind of everyone's more comfortable in possession, everyone's at that sort of elite level, um, he may kind of be more fixed in, in, one, in one sort of position. I feel like, actually thinking about it, I feel like in the past few seasons... There's been um, a lot of very, very young profiles who have uh, merged and um, automatically seemed very tactically developed and aware. You see some like 17 to 20-year-olds to who are playing as if they've been playing professional football for the past 10, 15 years. I can think of... Frankie de Jong when he when he came through at Ajax or Pedri at Barca or a few other examples. I feel like Arthur Vermeeren is definitely in that in that style as well. Just players who uh, naturally just seem so comfortable on the ball and so aware of their surroundings. And I feel like that's specifically um, remarkable from midfield players. Maybe center backs as well. When you, know, you see a, a young center back who's very comfortable on the ball, at carrying out the defense. But yeah, how do you think? Like, wh- why do you think that is? That there's been that, I guess, reemergence in a in a sense of those just naturally gifted players in terms of just tactical IQ and awareness. I think um, there's definitely been a shift in sort of academy coaching. 
making it a bit more tactical and I think a bit more regimented in some ways where I think we have seen less sort of maverick players who kind of come in and under that sort of the throwback kind of young players who uh, I'm looking I'm thinking of wingers especially that come in and and just do a load of tricks and have that fearlessness um, going at their fullback or kind of extremely creative midfielders who come in and just sort of roam around and do do what they like. I think things are much more regimented now, um, which I think has helped young players come in at younger ages, but I think it's also had its kind of disadvantages in terms of young players being allowed to just play and, and play with that freedom that we, we, we see. And players in general, sort of, I think it's a shift of of coaching towards tactical, kind of rigid rigid play, and and less so kind of letting the players do as they please and 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 kind of expressing themselves. I guess. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think it could could kind of be explained in, in a sort sort of trickle down kind of um, movement. The sense that as football um, de- develops tactically, well, obviously, um, this like tactical, elite tac- tactical setups kind of trickle down to the lower levels. And you see like the, the best managers kind of being replicated in lower, lower divisions. And that continues to be replicated in even lower levels, younger levels, and even like amateur coaches starting to implement very developed like tactical con- concepts into their their methods yeah and i think that's that's kind of the rise in sort of popularity with coaches and coaches kind of getting more interest from fans um and i think that's kind of created an environment where every coach sort of wants to control everything and and then be kind of the star of the show i guess because of their ins- inspiration from the likes of pep and Klopp and and all those guys. So I guess, yeah, every every coach who then now steps on a on a pitch wants to kind of take some of that that experience they've gained from watching Pep and some of those guys to their kind of teams. So I think especially in academy football, um, and all kind of football, um, yeah, players are kind of told a lot more what to do rather than just letting them be free. And as I said, that's kind of got its advantages and disadvantages. Um but it's definitely interesting and, and I think that shift is definitely evident in terms of just that mental IQ of some of these young players that are coming through. They seem so kind of experienced, even though they've they've only just sort of broken into senior football. And I think Vermeeran is a is a huge example of that. So did did Vermeeran come through the Antwerp Academy? Yeah, I believe he I believe he came through the Antwerp Academy. Um he's 18 now. Um, so sort of, yeah, being trusted at a very young age. Um, he's already being linked to Barcelona, Manchester United. So I think he's got a lot of suitors already. Um, and I can see why just because of, you know, those sort of midfielders you see who just, they always seem to know what they're doing before they have the ball. So by the time they receive it, the ball's been and gone before anyone could even get near them. Um, and I think that's what the elite midfielders have. And to have that at such a young age is, is kind of crazy. Um, but I think he's he's definitely not the finished article in terms of, 
I think where he really needs to work on is sort of physicality. Um, he's only five foot nine, so that's like one point eight meters. Um, and yeah, and I think he he's very smart in, in how he uses his body and jewels. So like, sort of similar to how like Kante used to do it. So he'd he'd kind of get around an opponent rather than kind of out out muscling them. He'd he'd, he'd just stick a leg around them. Um, and he's got that kind of agility to to, to change direction as quickly as the person with the ball. And, and um, I think Vermeer has got a lot of that alongside kind of an energy and a, and a drive to, to keeping keeping up with opponents. But I think at times, yeah, he, he can be out-muscled. Um, he's, he's pretty small and, and skinny. Um, but yeah, I think I think with, with that kind of growth, he can, he can sort of be anything he wants to be. Yeah, I, I didn't realise from... Like I, I don't think I've, I've seen him play uh, that much apart from uh, champion, Champions League games and also a few clips here and there from, from him in, in, the, in the Belgian League. But I didn't realize he had that defensive aspect to him. I, I, the comparisons I'd seen were more drawn towards the likes of Iniesta. And, um, but yeah, that, that is interesting that he also has that defensive aspect. I, I was thinking... Obviously, he's been linked to Barca, and I think that's an obvious career trajectory for a player of his liking, I guess. Um, I was thinking, I kind of wish he was Dutch um, to, and that he had came through that, um, yeah, I guess Ajax-esque um, academy and just way of viewing football um, and then developed it through those Dutch youth systems who obviously um, promote everything there is to do with, I guess, total football and Cruyffian values of football, etc. But I guess Belgium is right next to, to, to the Netherlands, so I think they probably emulate some of that as well, just from a cultural stand, standpoint as well. Yeah, I think, um, um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, think, I think when looking at him, he does look like a sort of Dutch midfielder. Um, and I, there are some kind of similarities, I think, with him and Frankie when Frankie broke through because it's just that sort of assuredness, despite being one of the youngest players on the pitch, but every time they receive the ball, they look so comfortable on it, comfortable in all phases, um, will get it off the centre-backs, will get it out wide, kind of just roams about and, 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 and kind of play all goes through them. Um, so I think he's, he definitely seems like that kind of total footballer who who can do it all and do it in all, all phases. Um, so, yeah, I think that there must be some kind of crossover there for sure. He's only he's only 17 or, or 18, right? Just 18, yeah, he's 18. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that he, he wouldn't leave to a top club right away. Because as we know, that can always have a negative effect on such a young player's career. It can also have a, a great turnover, as we've seen with Mbappe and Pedri, players like that. But also, for example, with speaking about Ajax, when Matisse De Ligt and De Jong both came through, I feel like their, both of their moves to Juve and Barca were kind of rushed. And although... It's it's gone decently for the young. I, I still feel like it hasn't necessarily gone 
as well as people expected it to. Um, for the lift, it, it went even. I, w- I don't want to say worse because it wasn't a total failure, but it definitely didn't meet the expectations that we had. I feel like he's had a, a decent return to form with Byron, though he he is always bothered by those injuries. But yeah, I always wish that players and their entourage favor a more intermediate move when they're so precocious in how they start playing suddenly for their uh, start starting, sorry, for their team and all of a sudden they're linked to all these top clubs. Can always have can always have a big play on their mentality and just um can affect their performance as well as well and how they develop. So I definitely wish that he would move to maybe um I don't know, the top club in in Eredivisie, though I feel like that's maybe the same level that he's already playing at. But even just like a top club in, in Ligue 1 or maybe a, a one of the top clubs in Bundesliga that are that are maybe better known for developing youth and have more space as well for errors and, and testing rather than being put in, plunged into the first team or, or just being part of that Barca setup, which we know has so, so many um, out, uh, out of football aspects to take into consideration as well. And that can always um, slow player development. So I kind of, kind of wish that would happen, but I can't see him going anywhere else than a, a top club from here. Yeah. And I think um, it's just, it's just about how, how they kind of draw out a plan for him, I guess. So I think he's definitely good enough to, to kind of slot into one of those top teams just because of how advanced he is mentally. Um, but yeah, it's about kind of if there's space for him. I don't know, and I see at, at Barcelona, there's there's a very bloated squad there. A lot of players also who play in this position are also of similar age. So, you know, how's that how's that all going to pan out and work for him? Is there is there space for him there? Um, I think for a player of that age, it's just about game time. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that to me doesn't sound like the ideal move, although like their philosophy really does match his play style. Um, his ability in possession is is so Barcelona esque, but but yeah, it's just about whether whether there's enough room there for him. Um, but I, I expect him to kind of wherever he goes, definitely have an impact for sure. I, I, I'm I'm thinking of those intermediate clubs. And I think I always recommend Napoli just because because of last year's run and also just because I heard about Kfarad Skelia like right right before um, he signed. And so I, I was watching that squad like right from the start of the season. And so, I, yeah, I got, I got the chance to watch a lot of Napoli games and I feel like it's one of the, the European squads I'm most maybe... Um, aware about and so yeah i feel like in that kind of similar roles to those that Lobotka, sembo and gisa um even zielinski at times have i feel like you could slot into that midfield setup well um but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see where, where he moves on um but maybe maybe now um i can mention my player um and then we'll, we'll kind of bounce back and forth um, 
between the two. So, so my player is um, a Norwegian and Greek player, a bit of an odd mix, I think. Um, who's playing in the Czech league uh, for uh, Slavia Prague? He's 20 years old. His name is uh, Christos Zafaris. So definitely got the the Greek side of the family for the the naming. Um, though he he represents uh, Norway. So for um for the U21 setup. So kind of a yeah an odd mix. So he came through the Va- Valerenga Football Youth Academy in Norway before signing for Division Two side. Uh, Grorud IL, for whom he played 50 games. Then he ended up signing for top tier, um, top flight side, uh, SK Hojesund, uh, so in the Norwegian first uh, division, for whom he only played um, one full season, getting uh, five goals and uh, or, yeah, five goals and five assists in that season, which is some very good numbers for, I think he was 19 or 18 at the time. So last winter, he signed for Slavia Prague against um, in exchange for 2.6 million euros. And he played the 10 last games of the season, scoring um, a goal and getting four assists as well in 10 games. So decent turn. Uh, this season, he's been playing, I want to say the majority of the games, though he hasn't been starting every game. Um, He's got two goals and two assists in all competitions. And yeah, um, yes, playing uh, both um, Czech League games and also Europa League games, <clears throat> which are the ones that I've definitely seen him the most in. Uh, I can't say I watch much. Um, I forgot what the, I think it's called Fortuna Liga, the, the Czech League. Can't say I watch much Fortuna Liga games, but I definitely have been trying to watch all of his um, Europa League games just because um, ever since I, I heard of him, I, I've been kind of very keen on his profile just because he's kind of typically the, the type of midfielder that I that I enjoy. So I've been very keen on his profile and just trying to watch as many games from him as possible. So yeah, I've been trying to, to follow South Slavia Prague's um, Europa League performances and so far they're, they're doing pretty well. So with those sort of golden assist numbers for his final season in Norway, is he more of like a like a box to box kind of arriving late in the in the opposition area, or is he kind of more creative? Well, what's his sort of makeup as a footballer? Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I I think he was probably more of a yeah arrive late into the box kind of Gundogan style of eight back in Norway, which would explain his huge, I mean, decent goal and assist return. Um, and I, I feel like now that he's in Slavia Prague, he's kind of uh, de- developed more into like a, a deep-lying playmaker almost, or, or even a, a roaming playmaker in general, not necessarily always deep-lying. But so what what he brings to the to the squad is uh most notably a lot of energy he's a, a very energetic player um kind of in the the conte build i want to say in terms of uh ball winning he, he's only like one 
170 centimeters or a bit taller than that. Yeah, but not the tallest midfielder. But yeah, he is kind of in that Kante mold in the sense that he just kind of bullies um, oppositions very aggressively without necessarily committing fouls, but very aggressively until the opposition kind of kind of lets go of the ball. Not necessarily even him tackling it out of their feet, but just yeah, just pressuring them until they kind of lose possession. Uh, he he wins. 54% of ground duels uh, in, in the Czech League. So, yeah, decent return on, on, on those. Um, and the thing is, he, he kind of completely transforms as a player once he has the ball. Um, he, he's super aggressive and almost um, Chihuahua-esque, uh, Verratti-esque when he's uh, trying, to, trying to win the ball back. And as soon as he has it, he becomes this Super elegant uh, dribbler and, and, and playmaker, uh, kind of like Barella as well is is one of the comparisons I, I make. Um, just like super hard on 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 the man, and then as soon as he has it, just that elegant playmaker who can progress the ball either through tight space dribbling because he does have that uh, dribbling ability from being quite quite short and very very technically um, gifted and agile. Uh, which is, allows him to use his low center of gravity to kind of get out of opposition pressure and yeah, get, get out of those situations. He, he draws quite a few fouls as well. I think um, 1.8 fouls per 90 drawn, so quite a, quite a high number there. And is he is he sort of playing in a in a midfield three or or is he kind of more restricted in, in like a double pivot or something? Yeah, it, it kind of depends because um, Slavia Prague, I believe, use a sort of 10, um, but that is just kind of an 8. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of bounces from a, a, a midfield 2 to midfield 3. Um, he, he, he quite often plays with actually another Norwegian player also playing in Slavia Prague, who's called Konrad uh, Wallen who's a very interesting player as well um, and who kind of balances it out because he's maybe a bit more attacking than Zephyrus and the two of them kind of um, bring similar but a bit different um, qualities to the table. Uh, there's a few other other players in that midfield rotation. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he gets out of those uh, tight spaces quite often with his dribbling and then just launches a, a through ball most of the time it's kind of kind of that gets the ball in a in, um, against his direct opposition uh, the the opposition team presses him as soon as he gets it back dribbles out of the out of that zone and then plays a long ball that's kind of what you what you see the most of the uh, from him and yeah so he, he has a very good um, an extensive passing uh, palette, uh, hitting almost four successful through balls and uh, lobbed, lobbed uh, through balls per 90, um, which is a very good, very impressive numbers. And yeah, I think it just in general, he's just extremely valuable to any team that he plays in just from, yeah, as I said, the, the pure energy that he brings and also... Um, just being such a complete midfielder. Yeah, and I think um, that that sort of first academy he came through is 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 one of the most 
prestigious academies in Norway now. I think um, Thiago Holm, who who just joined Celtic, um, he he came through there, and also Osman Sam- Sarawi, who's sort of a, a very technical um, winger slash ten. So um, yeah, I think that they're, they're them and a lot of other clubs are producing a lot now. Um, Norway's sort of becoming a, a very prominent nation in terms of development and, and talented footballers coming through. So um yeah, he sounds like one of one of another kind of talented crop coming through it from Norway. Um also obviously his Greek heritage but but especially Norwegian um players at the moment are, are really impressing. Yeah that that Norway U twenty one team is extremely impressive. I have loads of uh very promising players um and i feel like yeah just just the norway setup in general um the past few years obviously the two main ones are Haaland and odegaard but uh just recently antonio nusa at, um bruges is uh starting to make waves um and i think that whole generation will come together very nicely in the next uh international competitions though unfortunately um i don't think they're gonna make the the euros no that they, they didn't qualify um but i think the next generation when they're when when they're sort of in their prime is going to be really special you got um oscar bob at, at city as well who's who's norwegian um shoulder up who's at benfica but on loan at norgeland so there's there's a big big kind of influx of, of talent there um, which is impressive for for a nation that hasn't really had that historically. Um, I think the whole of Scandinavia has sort of got a big, big crop coming through now, um, which is nice to see kind of new nations producing um, alongside sort of the classic Brazil, France, England, those kind of nations. Um, it's 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 good. It's good for the good for the sport. Yeah, de- there's definitely loads of very promising players coming through those um, leagues. And I think what's good is that um, they've only just become uh, a popular scouting market, I want to say, in term, at least in terms of like general, to, to the general public of clubs. There's definitely been some clubs who have been more um, prominent in scouting those leagues. But yeah, now it's becoming kind of a more a more common um, area for for finding players, kind of similar to like the Dutch second tier, Belgium leagues like that, who are all starting to yeah just produce a massive amount of talent, and I feel like that's very good um, in the sense that it is kind of balancing out football. Um, I think I think the fact that uh, for the past few decades. There's been a clear like top five division, even though league obviously is a bit behind the curb of the of the other four. But yeah, the, the fact that there's been that clear distinction isn't necessarily the best for the development of football, at least as a sport. I don't know about uh, it being a a business. It's probably better to to keep it tight and closed off. But yeah, as a sport, it's definitely more interesting to have. All these nations and leagues and clubs producing talents and just being able to, to perform in the the best competitions 
Um, and I feel like, yeah, the emergence of all these Scandinavian, Scandinavian leagues and clubs and academies, obviously, if you think about Nordjylland and Midtjylland and Norway as well, uh, Denmark, sorry, who are also, yeah, just very exciting projects. Um, and also the fact that those countries tend to kind of be ahead of the curve of the curve in, in some senses, specifically in, in scouting and, and data analysis and, and partnerships with other academies. I know a lot of Scandinavian clubs have partnerships with African academies, for example. Uh, the most obvious example being um, Nordjylland's um, partnership with uh, the Right to Dream Academy from Ghana, who saw them sign uh, um, Kudus and uh, Noama and uh, Os- Osman, I believe, who's another very exciting winger from, from that team. And yeah, just that's one example. But I, I know there's another academy in Ivory Coast, I believe, who has uh, uh, some kind of deal with uh, another Scandinavian club. And just these ideas, uh, which are very, I guess, rare in, in the top, top flights of football are, are more and more common in these lower divisions. And it, yeah, it just brings value to these leagues. Like fo- football isn't all about the, the top teams and the top competitions and the top players. Um, it's deeper than that. And just having all these um, poorer teams, less, less, uh, yeah, less rich, economically speaking, teams, less developed teams uh, with less um, projection uh, towards the general public. The, the fact that we're seeing these teams finally getting some recognition for the, the very interesting work and maybe even in some senses more valuable work, ethically ethically speaking at least, than some of these top, top teams is just great to see from a, a neutral perspective. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Um... Yeah, I think it's it's good for the kind of globalization of the sport and also, yeah, kind of shedding light on, on all players from all backgrounds and all countries. Um, it's only it's only going to be positive. So, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so, so to go back to our initial topic, which was to, to um, talk about these two players, um, even though we kind of went on a tangent there, um, yeah, Zafarius. Um, so, so, so very promising player. Uh, obviously, very, very young as well, being twenty years old, but um, definitely has some room to improve. Kind of similar to Vermeeren, and I think young players in general. Uh, the tactical, I mean, in that sense, maybe not as similar to Vermeeren as as that, because maybe Zafarius's main weak weak point is that tactical aspect. Um, which is maybe why he hasn't been starting as many games as I personally was expecting for Prague, um, even though I feel like he's one of those the best midfielders, but he hasn't been starting every game because maybe he's lacking that tactical understanding that sometimes you don't need to play that through ball, and sometimes it's better to, to keep the ball and to recycle possession instead of just always aiming to progress the ball and, and find one of your attackers, get an assist. I feel like it's something that we've kind of mentioned for every young player that we've talked about, but 
it's definitely yeah something he has to improve on. Yeah, and I think kind of in contrast to that, I think Vermeeren sort of the opposite. I think he's so technically secure um, and so secure in possession um, and sort of good at managing tempo and game state and, and knowing when to kind of progress. I think with even more growth and more confidence, I think he will become even more progressive in his in his play. Um, and that's one thing I'd like to see from him. At times, I think he... Yeah, he, he's safe. He's safe in a way where, yeah, he, he keeps the ball a lot, but I think he's so good that he should kind of use his his ability to play on the turn um, and drive with the ball even more because I think it could create a lot more for his team. So I think, yeah, I think that will definitely come with him in terms of confidence and um, and growth because he's definitely got the kind of ability to do so. I think something that, Zafiris might have over Ramirez because I think as a player Ramirez is definitely at the moment the more developed of the two but I think something that he has above him is actually his weak points because Vermeeren's I feel like Vermeeren's main weak points are maybe on the physical aspect um maybe lacking that that physical impact um just putting on need, needing to put on some muscle um, and some yeah just physical density and in that sense maybe as we've seen with Pedri and Gavi who are getting injured in a quite worrying um, at a quite worrying uh, frequency I feel like that's kind of the the main problem that kind that comes with this type of profile is that we're they're so good tactically, tactically and technically that you kind of can't can't um, can't not play them, but at the same time you're putting them at risk of picking up some injuries while the, when they're playing so many games. We know that in recent football there, there's there's a bit of an overload of games being played at the moment, and yeah, for, for these players who aren't yet like physically mature, um, that can always be a big risk for injury. Yeah, one one hundred one hundred percent. Um, and I think the fact that his his team's in Europe this season as well has led to even more games for him. Um, he's, he's regular at the in the Belgian under twenty one squad. I think he even made his debut for the first team. So yeah, he's 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 having insane amounts of game time, um, which is obviously exciting, but also there's a there's a risk there. So yeah, I think he needs to be managed well. Um, but it's, it's 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 always difficult because yeah he's he's more than good enough to be playing at that level, um, so it's kind of a, a double edged sword. But um, but yeah yeah I, I agree with, I agree with that. And and comparatively, uh, Zephyrus is lacking that um, tactical awareness and mental awareness, and, uh, and and because of that he's not necessarily essential to his team yet. Because some players just do bring that aspect, even though maybe they're not as good as him in terms of pure technical ability or just what he brings from a pure like football standpoint. But because he's lacking that tactical aspect, he's not as as essential, and so he, he has that that he has had that time to develop more physically. Um, he's he's a quite a bulky. Um, he has has quite a bulky uh, profile as well in terms of physicality, so less less um, exposed to, to injury risk. 
And also, because he's lacked that, he hasn't got that full play time. He's playing in a, in a lesser known league. Um, he, he's kind of lacking that tactical awareness that you need to be in top, top tier of football. Well, I, I feel like that's going to allow him to get a more logical next move instead of going straight to the top. I feel like Zafaris's next move will definitely be an intermediate or even an intermediate to the intermediate. Um, I, I, where I see him going is maybe Benfica because um, because Benfica have been uh, quite close to Slavia Prague in the past two um, transfer windows, I want to say, signing uh, Alexander Ba from them uh, maybe two, two windows ago a few more maybe, and also signing um, David Juracek, um last summer. So the, the left back and the right back, both from coming from the same club. And I feel like because of that, uh, they'll definitely be keeping an eye on the, the Slavia Prague profiles. Um, and one of them that comes to that, 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 that is impressive, at least, is, is always going to be Zafiris. So they'll definitely have an eye on him, I think whether they sign him or not. Uh, apart from them, maybe a move to one of the, the French um, intermediate clubs or, or, or top clubs, I guess, like uh, Stade de Reims or Rennes or Losc, Lille, or uh, even uh, Olympique Lyonnais, even though they're, they're, they're not in the best shape at the moment, but they, they'll definitely have the, some money to spend in the, in the next window, so I think they could maybe opt for him. Uh, even, yeah, some Bundesliga clubs, uh, Eredivisie clubs as well, just some of those, yeah, you know, Belgian clubs as well, some of those intermediate clubs, which are very good at developing young talents and then selling them on at the right time. And, yeah, so I feel like in that sense, um, Zephyrus will definitely have be having a more um, natural progression in his career than Vermeeren will have as I feel like Vermeeren's next step has to be in one of the top, top clubs in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely mirror that. Um, I think Vermeeren will will take that big step up and it looks like he'll sort of take that in his stride. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're definitely different players. Um, but we know sort of development is not linear. So, you know, there's times where players kind of hit their peak early and then sort of stay there. And there's times where players hit their peak late and kind of burst onto the scene at, at 24, 25. So, so I'll be interested to see both their kind of trajectories and, 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 and exciting to follow both of them. I think uh, Vermeeren got a call up to... I want the, the Belgian first team. I want to say, yeah, or maybe maybe not yet. Did, did he play yeah, the last yeah, um, break? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that that's definitely will be um, very interesting to keep, to keep an eye on. Uh, Zephyrus is yet to to get that call up to the first team, but I'm, I'm sure it'll it'll come uh, sooner rather than later. Even though there are quite a few uh, Norwegian talents who might have their chance before him, but yeah, I feel like that's it's been a it's been a good chat. 
uh, definitely some interesting topics uh, discussed in general uh, on top of speaking about these two players. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very keen on following both of their next steps in their career. Definitely two of the young midfield profiles that I'm the most um, interested in. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there for today. Um, a reminder, you can follow Kish at Rondo underscore reports on X. You can also follow me, Alfred, at driver underscore ice, I-C-E-E, on X as well. Please keep a lookout uh, on our Get Football media outlets where we cover European football and world football with news, videos, opinions from some of the most plugged-in analysts across the football landscape. You can see a link in our show notes to all our outlets Please rate the podcast and give us a five-star review and feel free to leave a comment on our socials too. Thanks for listening and we look forward to the next one. Bye-bye.